0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: And so someone just came up and asked a question um, that I thought would be useful to address to the whole group. So I'll repeat the question and, and we'll start there. Um, and the question is, what's the difference between what we're doing here, this form of practice, this form of mindfulness practice, and the form that we use where we aim the attention at the breath and cultivate our practice in that way. Um, first, what first thing I'll say is that there's a lot of different forms of meditation practice. And in, even in the Buddhist tradition, there are many different forms of meditation practice. And even within, so there could be, you know, there's concentration practice, there's mindfulness practice, there's metta practice. Um, and even within mindfulness practice, there's different forms of, of, of mindfulness practice. But what I'd say in mindfulness practice is that the, the basic aim is to establish mindfulness so that there's a continuity of mindfulness, so that we can um, observe our our minds begin to recognize what's going on in our minds, and the the practice of directing the attention to the breath is a form. Of, well, it that the directing the attention to the breath can can go between being a concentration practice and being a mindfulness practice, but in the concentration practice, we're kind of looking at you know the just the changing nature of the breath, how it's changing, and then we may also notice when the attention is pulled to something else, and then when that fades, come back to the breath. So there's, there's different ways that we can practice. But in that form of practice, we're using attention to a particular object, an experience like the breath, as the way to establish a continuity of mindfulness. In in all in all of the mindfulness practices that I'm aware of, the ultimate aim is to establish a continuity of mindfulness. It's kind of just different approaches as to how to do that. Um, you know, some and and I'd say that some of these different approaches probably arise because there's different different minds have different um, natures. Some minds kind of can really naturally and easily connect with a particular experience for a while and stay with it as a as an easy way in to cultivate mindfulness um, and you know this other this other method that i 'm exploring here today is not choosing a particular object but is instead kind of orienting to recognizing awareness and um uh, stabilizing the uh, awareness by r- recognizing and being aware that different things happen moment to moment, so the the continuity is kind of around this recognizing the shift of attention from moment to moment, noticing this is happening and this is happening and this is happening and this is happening so it is um, it 's more um, in an interest in the uh, experience or the the uh, the, st- the stabilizing of mindfulness happens in the noticing the change moment to moment over different experiences. For some people, this actually seems to be a, a more easy way in. And I often, when I'm talking to people, especially on the long retreats that I teach, I, you know, in talking to people about different ways to practice mindfulness, I encourage people to start where it's easiest. You know, where is it most natural? Where is it easiest for you? How is it most um, that that you are most able to stay connected with mindfulness? And that's that's often a good place to kind of to kind of begin or to cultivate the the practice. Um, so I'd say the the differences is more how we're going about establishing mindfulness. Ultimately. They're, they're all ed- headed in the same directions to be able to understand what's going on in our minds, where we get caught, how, how we react, You know, to be able to see the, um, um, the contribution of our uh, habitual patterns of mind around greed, aversion, and delusion, how those um, catch us and tie us into knots and create su- suffering and struggle. So you know, I'd say that the biggest difference is just how we're going about establishing mindfulness. In my own um, in my own experience with this particular form of practice, I found it. I mean, it 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 um, it takes you really quickly into those areas where we tend to get caught. You know, it it, it kind of beelines us to those places where we. Um, um, start to see our reactivity because one of the first things we're doing is looking at what's my relationship what's my relationship to the practice what's my relationship to what's happening and and that often will reveal um some not liking or some pushing away or some aversion or some, some greed, some holding on to, some wanting things to stay. And so, um, so it begins to reveal that pattern in the mind that we start to get familiar with, we start to recognize. And we gain the skill to, um, we, we start to gain the skill to be able to be aware of our reactive patterns of mind which helps us in our sitting practice and also in our daily lives. We can become more attuned to when, when our minds are starting to head in the direction of, of um, unhelpful and unskillful responses to what's happening. And, and with that awareness, we can have a little bit of a choice as to uh, do we follow that through or not. Um, The other thing I found particularly helpful about this form in in terms of a difference between them is not having to have an agenda to hold on to a particular object really allowed my mind to be much more relaxed. So for me, it, 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 it actually created conditions that were conducive to settling more easily so that's, that, this is my mind right this is, this is my mind being able to settle more easily but for something about like trying to stay with a particular object, which I actually was pretty good at, but it was it was good at it with some tension, good at it with some holding, and um, you know because that 's how I had trained my mind to hold on to math problems and all kinds of computer problems and things like that, so that you know, the, the, the way that I had held on to things was the way I did that in meditation. And um, when I stepped back from that and just began to kind of just notice, oh, this is happening and this is happening, the mind relaxed a lot more. Now, you know, the the form of meditation practice of staying with one object, they don't tell you to stay tense while you're connected to the object. And yet, many of us bring in our habits and patterns from our lives in, in our in our meditation practices. And so... As for me, I kind of carried that habit into my meditation. And it was meeting this different form of practice that really began to help me to see there's a different way to be with experience. And so that was very supportive for me. And now I can go back to the more focused practice of paying attention to one object recognizing how much tension there was and, and and recognizing that that is also possible with relaxation of mind for some minds it's way more difficult to to kind of and some of you may notice this you know that that it feels so scattered to just take in you know this and this and this and this it's like whoa it feels like chaos can't i just stay with the breath for a little while you know that's much more relaxing for me and so that for you may be kind of the way in. What I've seen in, in, you know, in these two forms of practice, these two forms of mindfulness practice, the kind of just noticing what's happening moment to moment versus directing the attention to one particular thing, both are skills in our, in our, in our, med- in our mindfulness practice. One where we can just be with what's happening, that's a skill that serves us um, when uh, we're in our daily lives, it's a skill that serves us as the, the meditation deepens. Um, you know, actually what I see is that the, the instructions for the practice that starts with the stabilizing with one object, it ultimately shifts to a practice that's more like this, of just receiving what's happening moment to moment. The instructions shift over time. And, and so both of these are skills. The, the skill of being able to stay with an object and be able to put things aside, to not have to be pulled to, around to multiple experiences, that's a skill that's useful when we, we need to allow our attention to focus on something the the skill of being able to be with what's happening moment to moment is a skill that's useful when there's there's a lot going on in our lives and we need to be able to pay attention to relationships between things how things affect each other and so they're both they're both useful and um, for myself I started with the the one object and then learned about this more open, receptive practice. And then that allowed me to go back to the more focused practice with more relaxation, which allowed me to go back to the more open practice with a little more um, um, clarity. So I found there, there was a kind of an interweaving of working these two together. And so if for you, you're seeing today, this is like, wow, really scattered. That's like, I just you know this is just not my thing. I would encourage you to just stick it out for the day and see what happens. Um, it is a skill that we can learn. And in fact, when I first met this practice, I did not think it was natural for my mind. It felt completely chaotic. I wanted to go back to one thing because that's so much what my mind had done all of, all of my life. And it wasn't until the mind kind of let go a little bit that it actually realized, oh, actually, this is more natural for, for this mind. That, that kind of focusing on one thing was what the mind had been trained to do for so many years with math and science. But the kind of was actually more natural for, for this mind. So it was kind of a surprise to me to see how, how resonant this particular practice ended up being. It felt so chaotic at first. And so give yourself a chance to to play with it. And sometimes if it feels really chaotic, like, wow, there's so much happening right now, sometimes that's because of the habit of wanting to focus. It's like there's a lot happening and the mind is trying to keep up with all the stuff. It's like, just let it be big. Let it be like, wow, there's a lot happening right now. That's what's obvious. We don't have to know all the detail of what's happening right now. So just like... Oh, it's a lot right now. There's the, or chaos feels like it's happening right now. Or confusion feels like it's happening right now. So just, just kind of letting the, the attention be bigger to take in what... You, know, you don't have to land on specific experience in this, in this kind of practice. This is a place where... Um, I think when we've learned the more focused practice, we've learned how to be aware, in particular of kind of small, maybe about hand-sized at the biggest objects, you know, something paying attention here or here. You know, we we've gotten familiar with paying attention to objects that are kind of small, and um, um, you know that that that's how we know we're mindful. So I've got that object, I know that object, and that object, and that object. In this in this kind of meditation practice, we start to see that the the attention can be um, um, the attention can take in objects that are big. You know, just the idea of wow, a lot's happening right now, or the sense of um, um, you know just even just the sense of awareness is is kind of a broader thing. It's not I know precisely how I know I'm aware. It's just like, oh, there's there's a sense of Yeah, broad kind of awareness. Sleepiness or fogginess is kind of like this dull mind. It's like the 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 mind is not landing precisely on experience and when it tries to, it's kinda hazy, and so it it, it might be frustrating. But if we can just know, oh, foggy is what's happening right now. Hazy is what's happening right now. Not trying to know the details or the specifics of the experience. That's a broader kind of, of experience that we can be aware of. Our awareness, our attention has the capacity to be broad, like wide-angle. Narrow, focused, zoomed in to something small, or it can attend to something you know precise and very clear and specific, or something more vague. And so, the, this this practice also, to me, helps the mind to loosen its um, uh, loosen its kind of um, views about what we can be aware of. So a simple example <clears throat> of different kinds of ways we can be aware that I think we'll all recognize. Um, you know, you can go outside if it's raining and feel the drops of water of rain on your skin. Now that's precise. You know, that's, that's a sensation. You know the sensation. That's the kind of sensation we're more used to being with. Something specific, something clear. And so that's, you know, water on the skin you recognize as as individual drops. But there's another experience of moisture that we all recognize, and that's humidity. If you go outside and it's humid, you know the feeling. It's got a distinct quality, but you can't point to it and say, that's how I know humidity. It's kind of more of a sense of, you know, uh, just general. Maybe there's a general sense of, of heaviness of the air and there's a different way that it feels as you're breathing it. It's not precise, it's more vague. And so that, that's, um, you know, that's something that we can all recognize but not quite know how we recognize it, perhaps. It's a familiar experience that we can know in a diffuse way there's a lot of these diffuse kinds of experiences that when we practice in a way where we're aiming our attention and looking at something so this may be another difference between these two practices in the in the practice where we're choosing an object to pay attention to well almost by definition the only job objects we can choose to pay attention to are ones that we already know ones that we're already familiar with what they're like and um in this practice, we're kind of curious about where the attention goes. And the attention will go to things that we don't know quite how to describe or how to define as an experience. And so we, we end up in places or times where it's like, yeah, I'm aware, I have no idea what I'm aware of. But I know I'm aware, and there, there's a sense of kind of just what's obvious here. And maybe it is chaos. Maybe it is, wow, there's a lot going on right now and And you can just like s- settle with that just okay, so that was that was one question. Other comments or questions, yeah, and uh let's use the mics.
2: <clears throat> uh, thank you for introducing the, the awareness uh, I've been practicing the breath meditation for quite some time. Um, this was a different experience this morning, right. So, my question is in the breath medica- meditation, if I have the mental formations verbal formations that come in, when I realize it, I bring my focus back to my breath yes there's a sense of intentionality yes. behind that action, right? yes in the awareness meditation there's a generally i realize there's a bit more- rela- relaxedness to it, yes because it's 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 less structured that 's the word I put in my head mm-hmm. but i couldn't move away from my mental formations into something particular in the context of awareness meditation.
1: And the practice there is to notice mental formations are happening. Thinking is happening. I see. Yeah, so it's... it's uh, and, and that can be a challenge at first if we haven't gained the skill to be aware of thoughts then we may be get get pulled off. And so right. if we get pulled off, you know, it can be, you know, you can use a little bit of structure um, in this awareness practice. If it feels like trying to be aware of thoughts, for example, um, just pulls you off into thinking and you lose awareness, then it can be useful to uh, to recognize, you know, in that moment, it's okay, okay, thinking, I, yep, thinking, and then turn to something, whatever is obvious in the present moment, wow. just some obvious thing. It doesn't have to be, it could be the breath for a moment, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, um, you know, it also could just be, you know, whatever is, is whatever's most obvious other than those mental right. formations, right. Right. you know, some body sensation or a sound, okay. and then just continue, you know, staying connected and then as those as those mental formations arise you can you know maybe see if you can make the the container a little bigger to hold okay well there's that thinking and there's a breath and there's sounds and there's body sensation so that so that it's held together another piece that can be somewhat different <coughs> in the in the single ex- object experience where we're focusing on one object we tend to prioritize one object as being the main thing and everything else is background and in this practice it can feel more like there may be multiple things that are kinda of in the foreground together to, to not we don't have to feel like we have to pick one mm. it may feel like we're knowing multiple things at the same time and that's fine thank you yeah. And um, come to the forward here first, and then, Barry, could you pass it forward, and then we can get it
0: back to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, So I really like concentration meditation. That's my jam. But listening to what you're saying, this is bringing a lot of new ideas and um, openness about considering another way of practicing. And specifically the reason I thought I'd come to this today is that my work is very intellectual and when i'm working it's like email talking planning it's like these very and i've tried to bring in body awareness during the day and i can you can do that kind of momentarily mm-hmm. but there's no real sense of concentration if you're you have to listen to a speaker for 8 hours <laughs> and so um i'm wondering This seems like much more conducive, this kind of open awareness, much more conducive to that intellectual. So I'm wondering if you can just speak a little bit about applying the practice to non-physical activities, things that really require mental engagement elsewhere.
1: Yeah. um, You know, in my experience, um, uh, let's see, it has developed that capacity and you know, partly it develops through the recognition: Am I aware? Just that's the first thing. You know, just get familiar with the experience of being aware. And you know, when I first started working with hearing and talking and listening, it was really challenging, um, and um, I would lose awareness almost immediately. But then there was a certain point, just continuing to have the intention to explore. What does it mean? to just? And the simple instruction is, can you know you're listening while you're listening? Can you know you're speaking while you're speaking? And, and just keep it that simple. Don't try to do the detailed investigation. See if you can stabilize a sense of, yeah, I know this is happening while it's happening. And once that begins to stabilize... Because the mindfulness is stabilizing, there's more capacity to then notice the little, you know, fluctuations of mind around what you're hearing when you're listening. A, a teaching that Saito Utejaniya uses, so once there's a sense of kind of, yeah, I can know I'm listening while I'm listening, I can know I'm hearing, you know, talking while I'm talking, um, Saito Utegeniya uses this um, phrase, 50-50 mindfulness. 50% of the attention on what you're doing, the content of what you're doing. Because that's what we have to learn how to do that. And this is, again, where this, um, uh, this practice of being able to hold more than one thing at a time. Our normal meditation practice is like we, we really tune to being aware of one thing and letting everything else go. In this practice, we do attune more to being aware of multiple things at the same time. And so we can be aware of the content of experience, and also how we are. So 50% of the attention on what's happening, 50% of the attention on how we are with what's happening. And again, it doesn't have to be a lot of detail. When I first began to move to this step, once I got, once I got, oh, I can know I'm talking while I'm talking, then it was not like details of how am I with it, but is there tension or ease? While I'm talking. And just that is huge. To be able to kind of know that. you know, Because a little bit of tension. Can give us a, a little bit of a heads up. Um, a way into this. Because it is challenging. Particularly when we're dynamically. Relating to people. Um, um, in real time. Um, we can start to explore. This capacity of 50-50 mindfulness. In a, in a place. In a time where it's a little more slowed down when we're either reading or writing. So, um, you know, you're reading something that a a colleague has sent, an email. You can take it at your own pace and, you know, read a sentence, check in. How is it? Read a sentence, check in. How is it? And you might put a reminder for yourself to do this, you know, because it's going to be hard to remember. But, you know, something, you know, I don't know, a big sign on your computer or something that reminds you something that pops up when you want to try this Um, and so you know just take it at first it can be helpful to take it a little slow touch into the content check into how I am with that touch into the content check in with how I am with that so it does feel like you're going back and forth Um, And I think that's because of our habit of one thing at a time. But we can begin to... And I don't know, you know, really what's happening. Maybe it's going back and forth really fast. But it feels like the experience is that it's happening at the same time. Um, So, um, you know, practice with reading. Practice with writing. You know, that's your... So in reading, you're essentially getting the contents of somebody else's mind and how are you in response to that in writing you're offering the contents of your mind to somebody else and how is that you know in thinking about who you're offering it to how might they respond <clears throat> you may <clears throat> you may notice the Something that you 're feeling in constructing it, so it 's a little more complex in some ways because you 're all not only thinking about how it is for you to be experiencing this but also how they might respond and so again you could you could go back and forth a little bit so it it could be useful to take some times and and you know I, I sometimes do this over breakfast if i 'm reading the reading the news I, I practice this it 's like I read a headline, and it 's like okay, what's that one? <laughs> How's that one land today? Sometimes that's all I do is read the headlines. You know, that's enough. Um, so, so, you know, just, you can play with it consciously. And then, but the hard part is remembering to do it. You know, and, and what I'd say there is a commitment. It's like, this is something I'm interested in doing. I'm committed to this. You commit to that Every day. And if you remember at the end of the day that you've forgotten all day long, you don't give up. You just say, well, okay, I forgot all day. That's the conditions of the mind. It's, wow, this is hard. Respect how hard this is. It is a hard thing to do to bring this into daily life. And commit yourself to trying again. And you can put reminders around uh, in your workplace or something to to help you to remember, but it is still very challenging. But keep committing and don't give up. And in the um, in the when you recognize that you have forgotten, you know, so this is a, this is something I've been teaching all week with this non-residential retreat. Um, so this this the moment when you recognize. Wow, I had that commitment to, you know, try to be aware while speaking. And it didn't happen once today. That moment that you remember that is a moment of mindfulness that's connected to that wish, that intention. And so take in that, you know, recognize, okay, well, I'm just, here's a moment of mindfulness. How am I now? And just commit, to keep going. It takes some patience. It takes some resolve. But with that continued patience and resolve, it will happen more often. That, that uh, remembering. Well, remembering that we've forgotten will happen more often m- first. But then we'll, we'll, we'll start to remember to play with it. And really light, really light touch of effort with it. It does work. It is hard, but don't give up. That's that's the most important part. And don't be hard on yourself for forgetting. You know, it's like, this is the hardest thing. It is so hard. So, you know, you forget. It's like, of course we forget. Our habits are so strong in that way. So, um, maybe one more question. And um, Barry had his hand up earlier, so... And then we'll do another guided
3: meditation. So I'm used to going on meditation retreats where I concentrate during the meditation times. Uh, And I've always found walking meditation to be more challenging in terms of concentrating. And so I would let my awareness go all over the place and feel bad about it. So now I feel good about that. <laughs>
1: well, when you're so when you're letting the awareness go all over the place, are you aware that it's going all over the place? Oh yeah. Great. Yeah, that's there's, there's some, it's a uh, different kind yeah. of practice. Yeah.
3: Yes, and actually, meshing concentration practice during a retreat while sitting, and then having a more broad awareness while walking that. That feels like a fantastic combination.
1: And, and that's, that's one that, that some people do explore. There's a lot of different ways to bring these two practices together. So that's, that's one.
3: Yeah, I was thinking, wow, it's kind of a brilliant combination. I didn't even know it. <laughs> uh, but also, uh, being used to concentration practice and spending one, maybe two hours a day meditating in a concentrated way and then having my mind go wild, often during the rest of the day, I feel a certain grief of like, wow, why, why am I only f- figuring this out now, coming to this mm. uh, set of talks? Uh, there's the whole rest of one's life, the whole rest of the time when you're not sitting, and to bring mindfulness to that. and. That just feels amazingly expansive and wonderful. It, it and, is
1: expansive.
3: And yeah. also has grief attached at not having done it.
1: Uh, well, you know, it, that, there, the conditions weren't there. Yeah. You know, just.
3: Don't beat myself up yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, there's
1: no need to beat yourself up about it. There's like, there wasn't a way to do it because the conditions weren't there. So, yeah, just like appreciate that there's a new thing to try at this point yeah so let's um let's sit again let's um and before we go into the sitting i'll say um one thing about the attitude um mostly so far i've been talking about attitude in terms of um reactivity to what's happening uh, Sayadaw points out that what we're aiming for is what we could call wise attitude in relationship to our experience. An attitude where whatever is happening is okay. Where there's, there's, uh, the mind can be at ease with whatever's happening while it's happening. And so that also is an attitude. And, and sometimes when we check into, well, what's my relationship to experience? It might be something like, it's okay. And that is useful to recognize itself. It's like okayness is happening. Sometimes the flavor of, of wise attitude, when the mind is balanced and at ease with whatever's happening, it can bring in a flavor of joy, of compassion, of um, interest, curiosity, of tranquility, of ease, of peace. And we may, th- I, I've, I've seen that, you know, in not, taking in, well, how is the mind? Oh, it's okay. When I first started doing that, it's like, wow, okay, wow, that actually feels pretty good. Or joy is happening while I'm seeing this anger at the same time. And so taking in that quality is, is skillful because it, it kind of, it, it, uh, it is orienting the mind to something skillful and wholesome. And as I said earlier, the Buddha said, whatever we frequently ponder becomes the inclination of the mind. And so if we're recognizing that there's joy or delight or interest in the mind as we're observing, it cultivates the conditions for that to become the inclination of the mind. And so in exploring the attitude Be open to the possibility, not to, you know, it's like sometimes we might think, oh, attitude, okay, where's the greed, the aversion, the the delusion? Well, be open to the possibility there might also be some joy or happiness or interest